This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, medication, medication, medication. If our most valuable commodity is time, and as a general practitioner, why we sit there with a pile of prescriptions, signing them blindly for 30 minutes every day? Here in Shetland, we've got a, a solution now for dispensing practices, especially with zero prescribing. She's been shot. Significantly less murders than on the TV program. <laughs> Hello, thank you for listening to the Snug Podcast. My name's Andrew McElhinney. I'm a GP and member of the Scottish National Users Group, and we're looking at how information technology can help deliver better healthcare in Scotland. Find out more at snughealth.org.uk. If you're in a GP practice in Scotland and want to access our resources, which include educational videos, add-ins for your clinical system, also up-to-date information on what is happening in the world of GP IT, it is well worth considering joining us as a member for the princely sum of £2 a week or £100 a year. We are working on your behalf. Our Members' Day this year will be in the Westerwood Hotel, Cumbernauld, on June the 3rd. See the Snug website for details. Right, today it's all about the medication. Have you had yours today? Maybe you don't take any. Chances are you might need to get a prescription from your own GP and then get it dispensed by a community pharmacy at some stage. Use of medicines in Scotland and elsewhere in the world is a massive industry. Drugs can be vital and even life-saving. Imagine life without penicillin or insulin. But there are now so many therapeutic and preventative drugs taken by so many people that we can get completely bogged down in the many systems for prescribing and delivering medicines. Medications can kill the man Like a gun against his head Used too many now he's dead the theme of the song we are listening to, Polypharmacy, deals with whether we may be using too many medicines, and maybe some of them at too high a dosage. Big thanks to James McCormick, who is Professor in Pharmaceutical Science at the University of British Columbia, for letting us use his tune. I can fully recommend his podcast, called The Best Science Medicines Podcast, as well as his brilliant YouTube videos on the subjects of medicines use. Links are in the episode notes. You can Google Bohemian Polypharmacy, watch the video, and then you can read the lyrics, as well as listen. Educational and entertaining, and relevant. Today we're going to feature two discussions, one with the pharmacist and one with the GP here in Scotland about some of the main issues around medicines use and some of the main lessons learned from a recent series of workshops organised by NHS National Services Scotland. Lessons included not just how to address the logistics of the increasing number of prescriptions and medicines dispensed every day, but how the IT systems and maybe more importantly, the organisation of it all and communication between doctors, nurses, pharmacists and, of course, patients needs to be improved. We're going to hear a bit about how serial prescribing could be developed and a little bit on some of the details around electronic transfer of prescriptions. And could we even think in future about a shared medication record across Scotland? First of all, we're going to head up north to Shetland. Tony McDavid is a clinical pharmacist and the prescribing advisor for NHS Shetland. He's doing some great work up there. 
and he assures us that it actually is a really safe place. Um, so I've been here eight years in total, which is pretty outstanding uh, by my one understanding things the longest I've been somewhere in my, my adult life, which is excellent. But I've really enjoyed it. It's had lots of opportunity for me, um, especially, and being able to contribute to some of these workshops has been really good. I know it looks like such a beautiful place. Uh, I've always planned to go and visit. And uh, I suppose you get everyone saying that uh, they've seen the TV programme and all the rest of it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the... there's significantly less murders than on the TV programme. Um, <laughs> unless you're speaking about the, the island medics, and there's, there's absolutely no murder in that. And it's a fantastic place to live and work. I definitely plan to go and visit. And how, how is it on a cold January evening? Uh, well, it's cold. It's a January evening. Um, we're just out just in from walking the dog there um, but it's about three degrees outside it's actually quite a fine evening the sky's clear you can see all the stars because there's barely any light but it is it's a bit biting um, my wife usually walks the dog in a survival suit this time of year <laughs> so I just wanted to thank you very much for the idea of uh, covering primary care prescribing uh, for this podcast and um, I mean I suppose just to paint a picture of the current situation I was looking at some numbers today and I reckon there's about 5,000 GPs in Scotland. Um, and from the figures I could see in ISD, it looks like there could be anything up to about 250,000 scripts a day. So, so I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like reality to me because I can just, you know, see this big bundle of scripts, you know, that I get uh, handed every day to sign these repeat prescriptions. And, and just there's so many, you know, there's independent prescribers coming on, there's hospital-generated scripts. There are just a scary number of uh, prescriptions. I think there's a real diversification of who can prescribe and where you can get a prescription from. And where that is then recorded as well is, is makes this whole system even more complex. So the availability information um, in this day and age should be better with information technology. But I think when we've siloed it off in different parts of our systems, it can sometimes make it really frustrating, especially in general practice. But you're, you're right, though, that the volumes are not necessarily increasing at the same rate they were in the past, but with the significant demographic changes we're expecting over the coming decade and the subsequent decade afterwards, we're really going to expect those numbers to, to increase significantly. So it's it's more looking at how stressed our system is just now and what that stress might look like in a few years if we don't change certain elements of it to make that workflow a bit better or easier for patients and for ourselves as professionals. So you mean polypharmacy is going to get even bigger? I think polypharmacy will be a product of age, um, but also a product of our own ambition with medicine and what medicine can do. Um, but I just think the, the aging demographic and the more that people see us, the more conditions they tend to attract onto the records and the more recalls and, and medicines that those conditions also attract. So we will see a, a growth in medicine um, as people get into their 50s and 60s and this, this boomer generation um, ages and hopefully ages healthily. But I imagine there's a significant proportion of them who are going to require treatment um, and longer lives are, are just going to keep these conditions a feature a treatment for a long period of time. But I suppose looking at the issues that causes as well, um, apart from the medication-related morbidity that you can get, um, you know, a vast number of medication reviews that need to be done. Uh, Precisely. And yeah. I think that hopefully the skill mix can help a bit with that. But maybe being smarter about how we organise that workload mm -hmm. um, can certainly help. I think there's there's maybe looking at what's most valuable where a review in medicines each year um, and maybe being more focused and targeted in that. Um, there's lots of discussions 
happening, I think, across Scotland about how we do that because we're all very aware of how much time that can take out our days just now. And then thinking about the workshops that they had, um, I mean, looking at the various problems that arise, not just for uh, clinicians, but also for patients. You know, there's a very inefficient bunch of systems out there for patients to order and collect medications at the moment, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, I think it, if just to use an analogy of how you would go through a commercial process of buying something online, you would have tracking updates, you would know what's happening with your request or your order. But in general practice, it's a bit vague for patients. I think we give them an expectation of 48 hours and it'll, it'll be done or at least it'll be at the pharmacy ready to be dispensed. And in an island situation for us, that 48 hours to get from the practice to the pharmacy can be slightly extended with the pharmacy being remote from suppliers. So medicine supply can take a wee bit longer for us. But again, the patient doesn't have the information about where that medicine request is and that whole process of prescription to patient. Um, and I think some more clarity. We've tried with uh, EMIS access because we're a predominantly EMIS using service up here and it's helped a bit. But there's just a, there's a bit of expectation that could be helped by giving a a wee bit more information about how that order's going through the system. There's also some frustrations, I think, for patients on how they pick it up. So is it convenient that you can only collect your prescriptions here between hours of nine and five? Um, is there opportunities maybe for technology to solve some of these issues with kiosks that you could pick up from? Um, I think knowing myself as a patient who receives prescriptions for asthma, it's quite annoying to remember to be in the right place in Shetland to pick up your prescription during Monday to Friday. I can see from a patient perspective now um, how it can be a bit challenging and a bit frustrating what we're doing. So the, the title of the workshop was Transforming Primary Care Prescribing and Dispensing Pathways. Uh, isn't that right? There was three of them held over the last year. There were, yeah. So three workshops taken a month apart um, and each workshop had a, a focus um, of the workshop. And it was a really good capture information around the current pathway and the frustrations within the current pathway and that included uh, a look at how professionals feel working within that pathway so how nurses are not able to prescribe using barcoded prescriptions just now how pharmacists have to use a workaround in the gpit to be able to even issue prescriptions um, with barcodes that then come out with gp details and they're stamping them so there's all these little niggly bits around the systems we're working with just now that don't necessarily facilitate an easy workload but there's then the patient view of that so we put ourselves in patient shoes of how does it feel to get anything done in this system so how do you feel if you are someone who looks after your parents what is it like for you ordering their medications if there's two parents you're ordering for or supporting you need two separate email addresses for some of these portals to be able to order them or if you're ordering for your daughter and you're a busy professional yourself how do you make sure you're near the practice to pick up the prescription to go to the pharmacy you need to do so it was by taking examples like this we we're able to see that actually the supply of medicines is quite complex we may have a good grasp of it ourselves um, in general practice and in healthcare but i can appreciate the, the difficulties patients may have trying to navigate this and I don't think the systems allow us to be flexible enough to make it easier. Uh, do, do you see some concrete solutions, you know, coming out of these workshops that, that might make the situation better? I do. Um, I think I've got really smart colleagues at NSS who are working on barcoding solutions for pharmacists and nurses. I think acknowledging that nursing prescribing or non-medical prescribing is going to be a larger and larger part of uh, the prescribing volume in the future and having those prescriptions processed uh, using barcoded uh, systems similar to what the GP system uses 
would be really, really useful. Um, it would also help for transmission of tokens electronically. I think the transition to electronic prescriptions is also quite exciting, but quite paradigm shifting for community pharmacy in the way that we're working. But there's also some solutions we've got that exist already and some practices have taken up to varying degrees of success and that would be in the serial prescriptions. And that has seemingly had a, a fantastic relief um, from workload in the places who have had really uh, high volumes achieved by that or really or removed a significant amount of their, their volume over to serial prescriptions in, in terms of workflow. But the pharmacies who are also working with these practices have also seen a, an improvement in their workload and workflow. So I think there is opportunities we can run with just now, um, not necessarily on fantastical technology to be uh, produced that will solve all our ailments. I think GPIT in the future will help a lot because the ask we've created in the, the design requirements and the, the tendon process is quite specific at making sure the system we're procuring can um, facilitate a number of these issues and if it can't then there's an expectation that it will be available in the, the second tranche of the, the system that we're procuring in the future so it's I think everybody needs to be optimistic about the future I think we also need to be open to a bit of change in the future as well but keeping one eye on what the patient experience is as well as what our professional experience is as well because um, that can help us answer some of the, the questions and work in a different way the medicines care review that's been very sluggish there's certainly i think another fresh move to look at it now and um you're probably aware with the new gms contract there's a pharmacotherapy service you know in starting in practices which is trying to give that some momentum as well i think yeah and i think as as well in the in the initiation of cms and serial prescribing um it, the software didn't really support it so having people very enthusiastic about it this amount of years down the line is difficult when the f their experience may have been very poor at the start but having used it recently where the software has been changed and the, the way it functions within the practice that you no longer have to wait till the pharmacy's registered the patient before you can start the serial prescription you can actually start the serial prescription just now and then the pharmacy can do the, the medicines care and review process afterwards is going to be a lot more freeing for, for GPs and pharmacists but we've also had some fantastic new tools that do support the, the rollout of serial prescribing in general practice. We've got the Scottish Therapeutics Utility, which some people might be familiar with, um, which has been developed by Albasoft, um, and that can really usefully highlight those patients who order all their medicines at once, who are on three items, so you're targeting a, a huge burden of workload, um, but and workload that you can process quite easily to get them all onto serial prescriptions. Um, so there is opportunity. I think it's just been smart about how we spread the learning of the old marker practice in Aberdeen who's done fantastically well so Dr David Cooper he has practice and speaking to his staff um, it's outstanding what they've managed to achieve with it and it's, it's really refreshing for me as a pharmacist knowing that the admin staff are championing this and it's not going to necessarily sit on a pharmacist's shoulder to go and make serial prescriptions all day every day. It's it's something that admin staff are absolutely capable of doing within a framework um, and with the right uh, staff training there as well. David's got a good video uh, on the Snug website of his workshop of the Members' Day whenever he outlined the, the practical um, issues you know, around encouraging the staff to take it on and you're right, it does seem to take a lot of effort to get it up and running, but once it does achieve a sort of critical momentum, it seems to uh, be really worthwhile. 
And I think it's that way of thinking about where we'll be in the future with electronic tokens or if a system did become completely paperless and going to move some way to that. Zero prescriptions is a semi-paperless system. And I think being used to that annual generation of prescription tokens where you, you see it once and you authorise it once or you, you do it six monthly depending on the way you want to issue it is going to set us up into a system which will probably be a lot more simpler and straightforward to use for patients and for ourselves alike. So how does that work? What What is a token exactly for a patient? So the the way CMS works just now is it creates the barcode like you would have on a normal prescription if you're issuing 28 bendrofluimethiazide. Um, it would have your normal barcode at the side, but the CMS barcode is slightly different. So you only issue the paper prescription once. Um, you don't necessarily need the paper prescription to then re-dispense it at the pharmacy. The pharmacy software um, can organise that workload using the tokens. So it predicts when it's next due. So the pharmacists can actually predict a workload. They can start dispensing it um, when, the, when they would expect the patient to be due and to collect it. Um, instead of this current system where the pharmacies don't really have a good idea of what's happening or where their volume is going to come from, apart from just historical experience. But it's where they've got the manage repeat system have a better uh, idea of that. But the, the CMS system really does embed predictive algorithms of when the patient is due the next prescription. So you can then make sure your, your staff base is, is suitable for, for that workload that's coming up if there was enough volume going through on it. So the systems have came on a bit. There's, there's absolutely room for development and improvement. And I think the PMR developers and e, the GPIT suppliers alike need to be really listening to the, the Scottish general practice voice and all the Scottish community pharmacy voice to, to make those improvements to those systems. But I think it will be informed by another refresh in the rollout that's going to happen with the Medicines Care and Review in this coming year. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how people get on with that. I'm also looking forward to seeing how we do it here in Shetland. Um, I'm going to speak a wee bit more about this, Andrew, I'm sorry, but um, okay. we've got a, a solution now for dispensing practices, especially with serial prescribing, where okay. before we excluded them, um, but now we've had an opportunity to speak to EMIS and through the GPIT uh, Prescribing Advisory Board, we've been given development time they've developed a solution to allow dispensing practices to make use of serial prescriptions so our community pharmacies in Shetland will be able to dispense a, hopefully a large volume uh, dispensing practice volume uh, through serial prescriptions and that will support their, their dispensing workload as well in these these uh, small remote and rural practices. I mean I think that's what we're all about is trying to encourage people to use technology better you know and, and hopefully even though it might take a bit of effort and pain at the beginning that you know it will make things better in the long run. As well as, as maybe joining up some of these experiences and seeing how you can get it back out to practice and um, so you've got a really good group of stakeholders to do that with as well. Yeah that's what it's all about so uh, it's absolutely great to um, to catch up and uh, find out about some more of these projects that are going on and uh, it'd be good to you know to find out in a little while how it's all going up in Shetland. Fingers crossed yeah hopefully no one is offended and work is going well and it's actually feeling like it's a better uh, system to work in um, but yeah I think colleagues are optimistic I think they all want change and I think they're all doing it for the right reasons as well um, but also community pharmacy have a period in the, the near future where they're they're going to be exploring new technologies, particularly around prescription collection and delivery. And um, we'll hopefully see some pilots of that. And we have seen some limited pilots in Scotland already with remote prescription collection and delivery using robotics. And in Shetland, we've already got two pharmacies with uh, robotic dispensing systems in them as well. So we're we're up there. We we seem a wee bit backwater at times from afar, but we're we're definitely uh, enthusiastic about 
changing the way we're working and using technology to make our working lives easier. Yeah, and I mean, that's what it should be about. It should be about making life better, really. So, listen, thanks a million for your time. And um, uh, that's a really good insight into some of the, these developments. And, uh, yeah, I think my hope, certainly as a GP, is that the communication between GPs and, and pharmacists will keep improving, you know, and, and we'll be able to make the systems better, you know, together. Definitely. Improving and easier. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, well, listen, thanks, thanks a million. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll catch up again sometime. Maybe, maybe in Shetland, who knows? Yeah, make yourself available. I would recommend coming this time of year. You might catch up hell yeah. If not, make sure it's the middle of summer so you get as much daylight as possible. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks very much for chatting. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks. Bye. Next, I spoke to Dr. Scott Jemison, who is also at the workshops. I was very interested in his take on things, as he has a special interest in therapeutics, as well as many other things. Well, Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Um, how are things in Kerry today? Uh, well, today I've got, um, I don't want to call it a day off. You never really have a day off as a GP, do you? Um, but um, a day that I'm not in work and I'm actually at home in Dundee today. It's a beautiful, sunny uh, winter's day and the sun is just setting there across the Tay. It's lovely. Brilliant. Um, now, I'm aware of the J.M. Barry connection over in Kerry Muir, but I only realised I was Googling uh, and I, I discovered that Bon Scott lived there for a while. Yes, it's a very famous, uh, uh, very famous link for Kerry, and uh, indeed they have an annual, uh, con- an annual festival to celebrate such a um, such a link with AD- ACDC. And uh, there's a a large uh, sculpture of him uh, in one of the car parks, indeed. Uh, so you've got to take take your pick: is it going to be the Peter Pan up in the city square, or the Bon Scott one down at the car park? <laughs> um, so, how, how long have you been a GP uh, in Kerry? I, gra- I I was in the Royal Navy, so I kind of um, uh, extended my training, I suppose, and then I've been a GP now for five years. Uh, uh, so yes, it's uh, it's been a long slog to get here. I'll say that much. Oh, well, it's a good place to work, I'd say. Uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate to work in Kerry. It's a, it's a lovely place. Uh, a great team up there who are very supportive of all the broad uh, amount of different work and different interests that I have. And we're talking today about prescribing, which is, you know, a massive area for primary care. Um, are you quite interested in this area? Yes, uh, prescribing um, therapeutics are my, my interest. Um, I think when I, I remember being at a meeting very early on um, uh, in my kind of uh, GP days, and I was, I was, somebody said to me that they felt that GPs weren't interested in, in prescribing, and we, they found it really hard to communicate to GPs about prescribing. So um, I, I took slight aversion to this because I felt that prescribing is, is a raison d'etre, it's our bread and butter, and um, it's about how you speak to GPs about prescribing, and um, I've spent a lot of time working with my GP colleagues um, throughout Tayside and in, in how to... Um, discuss medicines and how we communicate changes in medicines policy. Um, I write a monthly bulletin on prescribing um, and I also represent GPs on the local therapeutics and medicines advisory groups. So um, I, I work quite hard to try and, you know, through these turbulent times of shortages and um, and, and changes in policies and uh, delivering best value in medication prescribing, it's uh, there's been a lot of work to try and help communicate with GPs about these things, and that's what uh, I'm interested in, as well as making sure that we make the best choices in the medicines. Yeah. And you've got a role for the RCGP. Yes, I'm the uh, executive officer for Quality Improvement uh, for Scotland, and um, 
I really enjoy that post. The RCGP have been uh, wonderfully enabling for me and very supportive in developing my uh, opportunities that I've had. And the RCGP has opened so many doors uh, to help me support um, goods, quality general practice. Um, quality improvement is is one of the, the big buzzwords in primary care just now as we move um, in the post-COF era. And I've been involved in supporting uh, the RCGP and Scottish Government and my SGPC colleagues and how we navigate that for general practice in Scotland so um, yeah it's been a wonderful time to be in quality improvement in primary care. And what I wanted to kind of just run over in fairly brief summary was the recent series of workshops uh, that National Services Scotland uh, held to look at ways to improve the whole landscape of prescribing in, in Scotland really. I don't know how easy it is to try and summarise that in a few minutes but would you like to try? Yes, um, they were um, instigated by um, NSS, uh, the two kind of main drivers being Alison Strath, who is the principal pharmaceutical officer at Scottish Government, as I recall, and um, Michelle Watts, uh, former uh, GP in, in Kerry, of course, as well. Um, and she's uh, one of the uh, GPs in the primary care division in Scottish Government. And really they are asked of, of us as a, as, a, as a representative body of of, of a wide range of prescribing um, prescribing bodies, I'll say. You know, there was there's ourselves and there was SGPC from general practice, but there was lots of other representatives from community pharmacy, from locality pharmacy, from board pharmacy departments. Um, we had lots of the, the different interested bodies about how do we, in the future dispensing pathway, what does that look like and how are we going to... And make sure that it's fit for purpose. I suppose was the was the was the scope because they really wanted to understand that as well as they possibly could. I suspect in, in preparation for moving towards a fully electronic uh, prescribing and transfer um, of electronic prescriptions, but also um, how do we help patients um, uh, use their medications and get their medications dispensed in the future? Um, so there was. This, two slides to that, uh, which are subtly different, but obviously intricately uh, linked. And how do you think we can start to do things better going forward? I think we have to start now. Um, I, I think that there are systems in place that we have just now that we have to make best use of. Um, and I think this will naturally help us move into um, a future more electronic, more patient-friendly service. Um, I would start off by, um, you know, strongly advocating the, the new GMS contract with our pharma pharmaceutical, uh, with, with our pharmacotherapy services within that. But they have to be in systems which are, are absolutely optimised within each practices, and that's going to come down to um, making best use of uh, medication care and review or CMS, as it were. Um, I think our CO prescribing has to be better. Why are we? signing piles of prescriptions every month for the same thing and and let's be honest i don't know of a gp that's actively looking at any of these prescriptions um, and we just sign them and it wastes a lot of gp time if our most valuable commodity is time and, and as a general practitioner why we sit there with a pile of prescriptions signing them blindly for 30 minutes every day i, I don't know it doesn't make sense you wouldn't design a system like that I think there was a lot of hesitations when MCR or CMS came out and the systems weren't perfect. Um, so you have to get your review processes right. You have to know how you're going to use it and, and the pitfalls that are within there. 
but to authorise a medication for a year is what you're doing anyway um, in your normal repeat systems, but you're just avoiding the having to sign it in between times, the, 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 the kind of blind signing, I suppose you would call it. Um, so it's, it's a really important step forward and we have to make best use of that. With that, um, you hopefully free up a bit of time for you not signing these prescriptions, so then concentrate on your acutes, get as much of your acutes onto the repeats as you can, as is safe to do so. Um, I suspect a lot of the times, again, we rattle through acutes quite quickly as GPs, making quite quick decisions where I suspect if we had a tiny bit more time, we might well be moving more things on to repeat safely um, where, where that is possible. But because we're sitting there with a list of 10, 20, 30 acutes, I suspect the time taken to do that for GPs isn't as much. With that, then moving towards pharmacotherapy fully rolled out by April next year, and that's not a lot of time. If you're going to gradually be moving people onto MCR, you need to be thinking about how to do that from now so that you don't flood yourself with a load of switches across the CMS or MCR. Um, because remember, in 12 months' time, you're going to have to review them all potentially, so um, taper it out over the next 12 months. The natural extension of all these changes is to move on to then a fully electronically endorsed prescription which goes up to the chemist for a year and that kind of happens already with the barcoding system. Um, it's just just now we obviously piggyback it with a, 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 a a paper prescription, but it's a very small extension of that to say that once we authorise that on the computer and electronically sign it, it goes then as an authorised prescription up to the chemist. It's not going to be, a, 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 I think, the leap for us um, logistically will save us huge amounts of paper um, and it will save us huge amounts of time in, in, in working with patients to try and navigate where this piece of paper has gone that opens the door to getting your prescriptions. Um, so I, I think it will be a very welcome change um, and I certainly welcome Scottish Government's uh, work towards uh, getting that uh, made possible. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the, the other big thing I was just interested in getting your thoughts on was where the medication record should sit. Uh, obviously in hospital you've got HEPMA systems, we have our GP uh, systems, so we're keying in the medications to our systems. Hospitals are then having to re-key stuff in at that end. I've heard of um, various initiatives like closing the loop and, and discussions to try and, try and solve this problem, but I, I wondered if there was any progress that you can see with that? I think what was clear from the three workshops is that in the future landscape of, of prescribing, I find that it, it's not going to be possible for GPs to be fully, I wouldn't say accountable for what's on the prescription. Uh, just now, when it's on our systems, when it's on your vision or EMIS record, a GP does feel a degree of responsibility for what's on there. Now, even if that medication is adjusted by um, an admin person within their practice or by a trainee or by the pharmacist, the GP ultimately feels that responsibility because just now they feel confident in the review systems that they've put in place in their practice to make sure that when something gets issued off of that, that is that we are all content to say that that is in our name. I feel that in the in the future prescribing landscape where we've now got paramedics and ANPs, geriatricians working closer to patients, hospital at home as they call it, um, other such uh, well-placed um, allied health and uh, wider multidisciplinary team colleagues, um, not, notwithstanding the huge uh, work that's ongoing throughout Scotland in non-medicines, um, I suspect GPs 
being ultimately responsible for that entirety of prescribing is 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 not not safe, and I don't think GPs can take that responsibility. I think, however, GPs have for a long time on their shoulders taken some of the risks with that prescribing. I think GPs have, have understood those risks and have said that within that system, there might sometimes be mistakes, and GPs have, have worked with that and lived with that. I don't think a future prescribing system that has all these different people putting into it will be able to rest on the GP's shoulders. I can't certainly see any GP willing to accept that responsibility. And therefore, I think the quality of the system in itself needs to be much, much better. It needs to be more intuitive. It needs to be more... Uh, patient-focused. It needs to know that you've got a creatinine clearance that's only 25, and therefore that gabapentin that's just been put on there by the ANP or by the um, community geriatrician is really not the safe dose to use, and it should intuitively be prompting them at that point of prescribing, saying, hold on a minute, you shouldn't be giving that. Look at that creatinine clearance, because they've extracted the weight that was taken from that recent admission in hospital, and they've taken the, uh, the, the creatinine that was checked by the GP practice two weeks before and it is able to pull these data into it and tell you and help you prescribe safely. GPs will have taken that on the chin so to speak and GPs obviously knew that there was risks in, in our systems where we're, we are so overstretched and dealing with such big volumes but GPs are developed systems to try and accommodate this but I think we would all accept that we, we're not perfect and it's really hard to, to keep up with all the different safety considerations we have to. And therefore, if we're going to open it up and be more open in this, I think the system itself has to be better. And that was definitely clearly um, understood by Scottish Government at, at, at the events. Yeah, we're all looking forward to better systems and uh, holding our breath. Uh, Listen, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Uh, it's been really interesting to hear your thoughts, but it's really important that you're making the needs of GPs known as well as the pharmacists and the patients, of course, you know, as these plans are made. So uh, thank you very much for joining us and I'll, I'll let you get back to some real work now. <laughs> yeah, I've got another reverse shift coming up, so I've uh, got, uh, got to get ready for that, but thank you so much. So after all that, my take-home messages are that while it is a vast undertaking to try and sort out prescribing in Scotland, and even in my own practice, to make it safer, more efficient, there are a few things that we can start to use now. The Scottish Therapeutics Utility. And remember Spire from a couple of podcasts ago? That can help us identify increasingly frail patients, who would of course benefit from a polypharmacy review. We can start to identify patients who we could move on to serial prescribing. But that means speaking to both our local community pharmacists as well as our practice pharmacists. That's it for this edition, and I'll leave you with the thought that one way to tackle the issue of lots and lots and lots of prescriptions might be to prescribe less. See you soon for another Snug Podcast. Keep the ideas coming. Anyone can see Stopping medications Can really make a difference to me Is this helping or not?